Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you stand near the center of the Sistine Chapel and look up, you can see it. The creation of Adam. Perhaps you know the picture. Two hands reaching out toward each other. There have been made reproductions on coffee cups, greeting cards, umbrellas, and even a tie. The tension of the picture lies in that empty space between two fingers. The finger of Adam and the finger of God. They are about to touch. Heaven and earth, divinity and humanity, eternity and time are about to collide. On the ground, we have Adam resting. Without soul, without life. Hands stretched out, awaiting a touch from his creator. In the clouds, we have God surrounded by angels in a creative rush. His garments are furled. There in his arm is the figure of Eve, a future gift for Adam. Present life and future gifts are suspended there in time as the figure of God rushes toward Adam. And in that moment, as hand reaches out to hand, with the smallest of gaps between the fingers, we anticipate God's creative work. You can stand there for what seems like an eternity, near the middle of the chapel, looking up and waiting for that moment to occur. Waiting like that, with your head tilted up, waiting until your neck starts to hurt, starts to ache. But it's better than looking away. Because when you turn your eyes away from the ceiling and look at the world, then you feel an ache in your heart. Look at the world around you and you will see a much larger gap between heaven and earth, between humans and God. This gap occurred in the fall from grace shortly after creation. And everywhere you look, you can see evidence of it. A casual glance at any newspaper or internet news website will tell you how far Humanity has fallen from that touch of God. And it can make your heart hurt. There's the way that some fuel racial warfare as the human race is outraged by the treatment of one another. High schools are war zones as gym bags carry bombs. Highways are unsafe as angry drivers carry guns. Not to mention sexual deviance, hate crimes, false reporting of crimes, and the like. The papers and the websites are filled with these stories. It'll make your head whirl and your heart ache. People are not resting peacefully on earth like Adam awaiting God's work. No, the world is a whirlwind of activity, and most of the actions demonstrate how far we have fallen from the touch of God. But if you close your eyes, if you close your eyes and listen, you can hear it 
A voice from the edge calling out to us across centuries, asking us to stop and see and trust in something that's wonderful. Behold, now is the favorable time. This time? Of this world? This sin? And this destruction? Yes. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This evening, this place, where a few of us have gathered together? Yes. Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. Paul's words encourage us. He helps our hearts hope more and ache less. As we prepare to celebrate the coming of our Savior into the world. Yet, how can Paul do that? Well, we need to consider his situation. Paul is facing a crisis at his church in Corinth. There's a mess. A mess of the ministry that he started there by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was not new to the church in Corinth, for Paul had been a missionary there. He'd stayed with the Corinthians, preaching in their homes, for over a year as found in Acts chapter 18. He'd counseled them in their use of spiritual gifts. He taught them in their practice of the Lord's Supper. He'd been there preaching and teaching and encouraging the faithful in this large metropolitan city. But now there was a mess. A mess of the ministry that had the Corinthians now asking, why should we listen to Paul? Paul had become a voice, a voice on the edge. Because you see, a group of false teachers had come into Corinth. Oh, they were amazing, absolutely amazing. If you wanted a preacher who could make your heart sing with his eloquence, these false teachers had it. They were masters of rhetoric as found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you wanted a preacher who could hold up his credentials, Recommendations from others. These preachers had it. Many even were willing to testify on their behalf that they were sent by God. And that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you wanted a preacher who could tell you stories of amazing events, those preachers had it. They claimed visions and revelations and spoke with personal authority. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And that made you, well, it made you doubt the Apostle Paul and the God that Paul preached about. And that is what is so amazing about this letter. Paul, with all of his years of service in the church, with all of the ties and connections that he had to the congregation, with all that he could have turned to for hope in this hurtful situation, Paul turns to God. What does Paul say? What does Paul say? For Christ's love compels us. Christ's love. Not Paul's love. Not Paul's vision. Not Paul's leadership. Not Paul's power. But Christ's love. A love that gives everything. Bears everything. Loses everything so that everyone might have forgiveness of sins. And a new creation by God. 
A family once sat there in need of that love. That hope of a new creation. They didn't know what to do. They had come near the end of their youngest son's story. He was only 14, and he had listened to the world. To its message of freedom and experimentation. And now there he was in a drug dependency unit. 14 years old in a drug dependency unit. A seminarian who was out on his vicarage went to visit him and the family. With tears in his eyes, a seminarian will tell you, I didn't know what to say. I wanted so badly to help out. But everything that came to mind seemed so stupid. What did I know about this kind of stuff? I was just a farmer before I went to the seminary, and here I am a vicar, and I'm only here for just a year? He was facing a mess. The mess of human life in this world. And his heart ached for that child and for the family. What could he say? What could he point to? Not his skill, not his experience, not even his love, as powerful as that was. But he did have one thing. The story of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. Paul's words, for Christ's love compels us. This is not the only thing that he said. And yes, the child had a long struggle after that. But this was a moment one small moment when a voice from the edge cried out, Behold, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. This 14-year-old drug-addicted child had been claimed by God. He'd been touched by God's hand in baptismal waters. And God would not leave him without hope. Here, even here, in a drug dependency unit, one can see God at work. The moment of creation captured on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel focuses upon a gap. A space between the fingers of Adam and God. Paul, however, focuses not upon the gap, but upon a connection. That day when God became man. That day when the hand of a human was the hand of God. Paul writes, God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, from verse 19. God the Father sent His Son Jesus into the world on mission. God did not simply stand outside of our world, looking down upon us from some heavenly realm, waiting for us to stop sinning and to come back to Him. This is why we are preparing to celebrate Christmas. When God takes upon Himself human flesh. He becomes man and He calls us back to God. His work, however, involves more than simply announcing the kingdom of God. As if that's all that is needed. No, instead He actually opens the way. Paul writes in verse 21, God made Him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. The hand of Jesus is the hand of God. 
touching all of our sins, gathering all of our mess, and being nailed with it, nailed with it to the tree, to that cross. Christ takes upon Himself the wrath of God. He bears the eternal punishment of our rebellion and through that act opens for us the heart of His Father. Jesus then rises from the grave and opens for us the hope of a new creation. And we now experience the eternal love of God our Father. A love that will not abandon His children or hold their sins against them, but work in their lives and bring about His new creation. And that is what Paul's voice from the edge wants the church to remember all his days. And not just the church in Corinth, but this church, our church. Left to ourselves, looking at our world, looking at our lives, our heart will hurt. But Paul intervenes and directs our attention to God. Not on some ceiling far away, but here in our presence. God comes tonight in an act of reconciliation. He comes to us in His Word proclaimed here this evening. He comes to us in His body and blood when celebrated the Lord's Supper at this altar. He comes to us in words on the lips of those He has called and chosen and sent. Relentlessly, lovingly, tirelessly, He reaches out His hand to touch you and bring about in you His new creation. Unlike God's hand on the Sistine Chapel ceiling, this hand is wounded. And its wounds are oh so precious. All of your sin and my sin, all of your suffering, your harmful actions, your hopelessness, our despair, these are all taken into that wounded hand of God as He comes tonight and touches you, bringing about His new creation. If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. And when you see that, when you see that God's new creation, your heart fills with hope. Even if you sit there in a drug dependency unit and wonder what the future holds, whatever it is, you have hope in the hand that holds you. On the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, you have the act of God's first creation. It is breathtaking and beautiful and larger than life. But for many, it's something that they will never see in their lifetime. It's too far away. In our text from 2 Corinthians, however, you have a much more wonderful working of God's new creation. It's not far away, but quite near. It is simple and profound and happens in the most ordinary of circumstances. Even here tonight, God's hand reaches out in this world with its conflict and sufferings and brings about hope right here in our midst for you. And as you enter the world with its hurt, God has given you a message of hope. God can take your voice and make it like Paul's, a voice from the edge that shares his gracious work. This evening, Paul calls us to stop and to open our eyes. Behold the wonder of God's new creation. 
there in Corinth and here in this place, out there in the world, behold and see, God is bringing about a new creation with hearts that hope more and ache less. We believe this is only a glimpse of the eternal kingdom of God to come. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.